I'm in a dark, cube-spaced room. Not alone, but there are other people around me. When we move through the space, a shape on the ground follows our every step. From these shapes, lines appear, connecting my shape to those of the other people in the room. And if we get closer, the sound changes. The crackling seems to signify some sort of shift, a distance shift. And when two people get really close, the shapes merge and the distance between them seems to have turned into a closeness or proximity. Welcome to But Is It Art, a podcast by Next Museum, the home of new media art in Amsterdam. My name is Victor van der Velde, and I've been a part of the Next Museum as a host since the opening in August 2020. In this podcast, we want to explore the world of new media art through the artworks from our inaugural exhibition, Shifting Proximities. Every episode, we will dive into one work by talking to the artists, curator, visitors, and my fellow hosts. This introduction episode, we're going to talk about Connected by Rudolf Knoll, what is new media art, and what is next. Let's transport you to the museum. You walk through the front door and are welcomed by our hosts in a beautiful industrial-looking building in Amsterdam North. Almost two years ago, this space welcomed its first visitors. But what is Next Museum? Let's hear from the founder, Merel van Helsingen. Really the first dedicated home for new media arts um, in the Netherlands. And really a place where art, technology, science and sound come together to inspire people and really drive people to ask questions about the future, about technology, but also first and foremost to really experience what a museum can be. And it's not always a white cube, quiet, um, complex experience, but it can also be an emotional, physical uh, roller coaster um, that you immerse yourself in. Walking through the museum, you're immersed in seven different rooms, each housing one installation. Like Merel states, it's kind of a black box, which means it's very dark inside. And that's often necessary, since many of the artworks use light, projection or video. Next operates at the intersection of art, science, sound and tech. And it's the first museum of new media art in the Netherlands. But what is new media art? So for me, new media art is artworks that are developed using modern technologies. So it can vary from augmented reality to robotic arms to virtual reality, digital art, computer art, cyborgs, avatars, but also gaming, for example. Um, so there's a lot of elements. It could also be a sculptural piece that is developed using 3D printing models. Um, which is also highly technical. So I think what's important is that it's, it encompasses so many different sub-genres and what we're trying to do is really give those a home. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's interesting because we're all the time being asked and I feel every time somebody asks, you have to find a new answer, otherwise it gets boring. <laughs> so This is Bogomir Doringer, the curator of this exhibition 
and educated as an artist himself. Um, but yeah, how would you describe it? I guess every new technology, especially the one that is accessible to a larger group of people, um, triggers all kinds of creative impulses and ideas. And we all remember when we were kids how we loved to open our synthesizers or TVs or when we were home alone, we would deconstruct a Game Boy and then uh, photo cameras. So there is that curiosity to understand how something works, but also how it can be used in a different ways. And um, especially like, for example, how does camera work when you turn it towards yourself, which is like exactly like how in the 60s, uh, new media art exploded with the video production, questioning of television, who has rights to tell the story. There's not one fixed way of defining new media art. Definitely since it's so incredibly susceptible to change. Like Bogomir said, some claim that it started with video art in the 1960s with people like Namjoon Paik and Bruce Nauman. Others say it started long before that, with the different experimentations of film. Or maybe even before that. Because new is a relative word, and maybe in prehistoric times, when fire was discovered and people started playing around with the fire to make shadow plays or shadow stories, that was a new medium. So I don't know, I feel like it's kind of, there is no really beginning of it, um, but definitely with the time that we are ahead of us, which are fully technological and constantly evolving, um, we will see a lot of this art uh, happening. Yeah. Since there isn't a beginning to new media art, is the term new then actually correct? So for me, what I notice is that a lot of people actually don't really know what it encompasses because it's so broad. Um, and yeah, it's almost this kind of name that's that's gathering so many different subgenres. Um, I think it's also traditional, the name New Media Arts, because it used to be New Media, but now it's media. It's not really new anymore. Um, so actually, I totally disagree with the name <laughs> New Media Art for the genre. Um, and I think it should actually be specified maybe even more. Um, so for me, for example, tech art really kind of covers the load because tech keeps evolving and the media is not new anymore. This is a topic a lot of artists are very opinionated about. So you'll definitely be hearing more about it in later episodes when we hear from the artists themselves. This brings me to the main question of this podcast. When you're looking at interactive game-like video or at 3D printed structure with projection on it, you might think it speaks to you, but is it art? I think what makes it art is really the, the research behind it and the message the artist is trying to give us. So one example is um, E. Continuum by Thijs Beersteker, which is a 3D printed sculpture uh, of recycled plastic. But I think what makes it art is the fact that together with a scientist, he developed a concept where he's actually making us aware of communication that happens under the ground between trees and plants. And he, he's actually teaching us to, to learn from nature. And then when I came in, actually, for me, it was exactly important of also challenging um, the like also showing how traditional forms are being reinvented by actually new technology. Um, so, you know, how does even uh, manual work of artists changes if the artist sketches or uses software. Of course, this is a never-ending question, but it's interesting to think how traditional forms of art 
which we do really consider art, might be reinvented through these new technologies. So it was a lot about creating new opportunities and um, being rebellious a bit about who has access, who has right to make art, uh, who gets big space. Like so, it's it was also about keeping that element that we are like, yeah human, we are experts, and we're also rebellish. And not only does Next want to showcase the art, it also wants to be a knowledge institute and really showcase the artists. That is why, in between every room, you can find a transition room with tons of information on the artwork that you're about to see. And these transition rooms are a work of art themselves, made by Benjamin Muzzin, with sound by Danny van der Lucht. Uh, I think it's also important to understand that moment in which all this is happening. So it's just before the first lockdown. So, um, so you know, of course, you want to do something big and <laughs> you want to open a new museum, but at the same time, everything is shifting around you. And then the word shifting was perfect because everything was shifting. Our lives, our relationships, the way we work, the, everything had to be reinvented. That's how the title and overall theme of the exhibition became Shifting Proximities. This is Merel van Helsing again. So when the pandemic started hitting us in 2020, was exactly the moment that we were developing the exhibition and finishing the build of, of the space. Um, there were quite a few artworks that we had already curated and we started gathering. And, and I think the theme matched perfectly with the works we wanted to show, but also the time we lived in. So people were afraid about the proximities. People were, on the one hand, you couldn't touch each other anymore, you couldn't hug each other anymore. But at the other hand, the technological developments were so rapidly evolving that every Zoom meeting or FaceTime or Microsoft Teams or um, actually brought us closer together than ever before. Um, and I think this was all coming together in one show, but then really linked to themes like climate change, linked to themes like um, face recognition software and surveillance, uh, the QR code, and all those things became even more and more important over the last few years. And also installing the works for me was literally shifting proximities because some of the artists could not travel to the Netherlands to install their work. So we were working with webcams and, and Zoom meetings and projection mapping from China to New York to Amsterdam. Um, where the artist projected himself as an avatar inside the work, which was then live streamed. Like all those things, it's, it's, it's not just the artworks, but everything surrounding the works, how we built the museum, um, the times we lived in, are, are for me all linked to that one theme, which is shifting proximity. Taking you back to that first room I described, the one with the shapes and the crackling sound, that artwork is connected by Rudolf Knoll. It's the first artwork that you're exposed to when visiting the museum, and it is exactly what Shifting Proximities is about. This is Mark Mahfoud, who was the sound designer of Connected, talking about the creation process with Rudolf Knoll. So my interpretation of Rudolf's installation is that he wanted to create a space in which people feel connected through their presence uh, in a room, in the room. And the distances between them create different dynamics that are also represented by the visual and by the sound. So basically, after entering it, I felt like the most essential tool of connection is being 
completely present in the moment. The artwork plays with projection mapping on the floor, so it follows you around and connects you with others. The idea is based on the four different layers of physical interaction. You have public space, where you're more than three and a half meters apart. Think of just you walking in the city. You have social space, where you're about one and a half to three and a half meters apart. Think of you in a formal meeting. And you have personal space, with a distance of half a meter to one and a half meters. Think of hanging around with friends in a bar. And lastly, you have intimate space, with a distance less than half a meter. And I think you can imagine what that is. Uh, I tried to design a sound that is just as interactive as the installation itself and kind of builds up based on the amount of people present in the room. Um, the more people are in the rooms, the, the more layers of sounds that function harmonically with each other in different timbers are added, so it creates also bigger textures and movement. And the sound also intensifies when two or more people uh, come close, closer, closer to each other. And music, the inspiration comes from a largely known music theory concept, uh, which is called the circle of fifth. And here to break it down quickly, the way I, I thought of it here and conceptually would be that the close, so in, in, in the theory, it's like the closer the key signatures are to each other, the more related they are, so the more harmonious they sound. And I thought that was a nice musical, musical representation of the idea of human distance um, that Ruloff addresses. Also, whenever you play a chord or a note in a certain context, you're creating a movement. And if the chord you play is followed by another chord that does not resolve the previous chord, you create a tension. Um, and in that movement, the chord wants to go somewhere. That's kind of like what we call music, you know, because we always have chords going somewhere, notes going somewhere. Um, and we as humans also want to go somewhere. Uh, but what if we play with this tension and just allow this movement to be whatever it is, allow it to be present, just like us in Rudolf's room. And if our presence is enough, our presence, as I said before, could be like the strongest tool of connection. Mark is one of the many sonic or sound artists exhibited at Next Museum. Sound is quite an integral part to many of the installations we have. As a host, I often saw people taking pictures of artworks when visiting a museum. But I rarely see people recording just the sound. And that's quite a pity, since sound often plays such a huge role in new media art. But I feel like also in sound art, the most undervalued power of it is the emotional impact it has, or it can have. Because most sound installations I visit have very, very beautiful sound design, carefully uh, crafted textures. But I personally think that sound, and especially music, are the most direct path to our emotional landscape. So I wonder why new media art has not made use of this much as I expected. And so yeah, I, I kind of made it my personal goal um, to emphasize emotions in my compositions and music and sonic art as well. And I hope that this comes through um, in this project with Nex and Rulof. <laughs> Thank you. 
Just like Mark and Rulof, many of the artists try to go beyond the purely visual, and they either work together with sound designers or they design the sound themselves, as an integral and important part of the work. I've been teasing the other installations for a while now, so let's do a quick run-through of what you can expect from the other episodes. What are the artworks exhibited? What media are used and how do they relate to shifting proximities? After Connected by Rudolf Knoll, you move to Topologies by the London collective United Visual Artists, or UVA for short. We walk to UVA and maybe there is a lot of, lot of smoke. Uh, so we're actually not sure how long that space is. There are like five motorized hands, arms, I guess people can imagine it as a kind of robot hands uh, that are spinning a laser, uh, lasers, and those lasers are projecting kind of um, certain topologies, so squares. What, what is also interesting with Ruloff and the UVA is what's the role of our body in every space, so how does it change? In Ruloff's case, we have this bird eye view because there are like four sensors above the heads of people, so what is represented on the ground is how we are measured by technology from from above and then we enter UVA space and there your body is totally transformed because now you need to sense how big is the space how far can you go are you alone or not so there's definitely a game of shifting proximities since these planes of light caused by the lasers constantly change the perception of the space and the perception of how close we are to each other then we move to Habitat by Helene Blanke. A huge screen in front of us shows some distorted, almost game-like environment. But you can recognize natural elements in there. Water, stones, grass. So Helene Blanke is, yeah, is the question of digitalization. We digitalize everything around us, our documents, photos. So what if we digitalize nature and we imagine that in the future the nature doesn't exist? Can we recall, can we reconnect with um, nature through uh, this kind of digital landscapes? Can we get closer to nature through the digitization of nature? That is the big question Helene Blanke poses. After that, we move from nature into space, with Distortions in Space-Time by Collective Marshmallow Laser Feast. Here you're completely surrounded by the creation of a black hole through an infinity room and incredible imagery. Yeah, that was also one that we've had so many conversations about, but I think actually when you bring it back to research, when you look at all the sequences um, that are happening when a black hole is formed, this was actually discovered and researched and, and mapped out by a gigantic, like an enormous group of scientists from all these different universities and all these different places in the world, world uh, sharing their research, sharing their knowledge, coming together to eventually... Um, yeah, really make these big discoveries in the research of the black hole theory. And, and we now know what happens and we now have lots of satellite imagery of, of what is going on, but we still don't know why it happened. So, so I think our proximities, we're coming closer and closer to solving the mystery by working together with all these scientists from all over the world 
But at the same time, we're still so far off because it's still a mystery. The next artwork is E Continuum by Thijs Biersteker, which Merel has already explained a little bit about. That was the one with the 3D printed trees and the signs on tree communications. But how does that relate to shifting proximities? So for e-continuum, I think it's a very beautiful message. And it's really trying to say that in nature, um, trees, plants, they grow closer to each other. They even connect to each other to keep the ecosystem alive and to protect each other. And as humans, we were at the time growing further apart in a way, and we've been destroying nature. Um, So I think the message is really beautiful and really saying, work together, don't start a war, shake hands and keep the ecosystem alive. After looking at tree communication, we then zoom into human interaction, literally. In Zoom Pavilion by Rafael Lozano Hammer and Christoph Wozitsko, we're surrounded by live surveillance images of ourselves. The algorithm then groups people who it deems as suspicious. So the work is measuring the proximity of people in the space and uh, closer there together. Um, that means that they're a group, and the group is dangerous to the political system. The work was inspired by Communist Poland, but it's interesting that um, after fall of communism in Poland, this technology has been used in states in detecting the groups, uh, protest groups or kind of suspicious uh, groups. And um, what you see in this space is also yourself from the bird eye view. So. Uh, from above, from a side, um, being measured, being calculated, and then the ones that are the most suspicious end up as a couple <laughs> on the wall. To enhance the educational character of Next Museum and to show the closeness or proximity of face detection, we used to exhibit the documentary Coded Bias by Algorithmic Justice League. This is still available online if you're interested. And finally, we move to the biggest space, Next Stage, which is used for many events, like a big rave at Amsterdam dance event with a sound and visual set that fills the whole room. But most of the time, it's home to dimensional sampling, a work by Yushi Chao and Lao Hyuk Kong, appropriating the visual language of the QR code. And then the very last space, the Next Stage, Um, It's this kind of uh, bombastic projection or limbo, or you could say the most immersive environment that we have in a museum. So it's the work from Yuxi Chao, and it's the work that is inspired with QR codes. Um, Before Corona, uh, we all remember that QR codes were not very popular uh, in in Netherlands, in Europe. Uh, There was this kind of ugly graphic interruption but now QR codes are everywhere they're on the menu they're um, on our phones where we are traveling but in China QR codes have been used already for 12 years and maybe even longer um, and Yuxi Chao was fascinated that there is this sort of language that is uh, everywhere um, it's not readable to human eye but then at the same time it's also language that no matter what generation you are uh, somehow becomes kind of common visual or or or, or way of um, interacting. 
If you're intrigued by all of the spaces and installations, then make sure to listen to the following episodes. In the meantime, come and visit us. We're a new media art museum in the Netherlands, seeking, showing, and questioning what's next. See you there. <laughs>